Auto One Podcast Network. You're listening to Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. The podcast that's kind of like a bad rash. We come back every week no matter how hard you try to stop us. Join our supporters by heading over to patreon.com forward slash creative writing to find out more. You can find us on every single social media outlet in the entire universe, even ones that haven't been invented yet. And now, let's talk about all things two-wheeled, except for bicycles and trikes. Well, let's talk about them, too. missed my cue that was my cue <laughs> that was my cue hey everybody it is uh, your friend Junkforth Tudmanovich that is my full and legal name um welcome to episode 223 of the creative writing motorcycle podcast you might have noticed i said motorcycle it's because uh, never mind i won't go into it but um just a, a tip if you do uh decide to make um popsicles out of used motor oil and gasoline uh, just be aware of the freezing points and melting points of said uh, and tasting points of said uh, things. Hey, listen, listen up, folks. Um, like I said, this is episode two twenty three. Uh, this episode's dropping a little late, later than normal, later than you're used to, and so uh, my apologies. Uh, I'll explain why in a hot second. Um, let's do this disclaimer. Hey, guess what? The views and opinions of the participants of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast are those of the participants do not reflect the policy position or opinions of the Creative Writing uh, of this podcast. Even though we say I'm on this podcast, that makes no sense, but it's legal jargon. Uh, the Moto One Podcast Network, any of our affiliates, um, the opinion is the respective participants and is not intended to malign anyone or anything, even Norton owners. Oh, Nortons. Hey, listen up. Uh, hey, listen up here, I say. Um, yeah, if you drive, a, if you ride or drive a Norton, if you drive a Norton, let me know all about it. I bet there's a car called the Norton McFarland. Uh, anyway, if you ride a Norton, no harm, no foul, baby. We love Nortons. Uh, the older, the better, actually. And if you were riding that new V4 Superbike, um, sorry it didn't go so well. If you aren't riding the V4 Superbike and you're riding an old rotary, ooh, boy, I got to tell you. Uh, we, last week we talked about the Isle of Man, and um, I went back and watched some of the uh, – who was on those freaking rotaries? It wasn't John McGinnis, but it was somebody uh, – maybe it was Joey Dunlop, or maybe it was um, William Dunlop. I forget. Maybe it was one of the Dunlops on those things. But, man, uh, listening to those rotaries rip around uh, the aisle was pretty sweet. And right now, I'm pretty sure um, I was just watching it last week, so I'm I know I'm I know I'm sure um, the the uh, Isle of Man usually happens in the last weekend of May, like the second second to last weekend or something like that is when they start practice and then it finishes up and it wraps up right around the the first week of June something like that it's a it's a fortnight there's all sorts of races that still happen on the Isle of Man we talked about all that last week so we don't need to rehash it but right now on YouTube um 
I think it's Duke or Bennett. Um, if you listen to Friend and Chatter, I'm sure you've heard of Bennett and Bike Social and all that great stuff. They're the they are the uh, insurance company that puts on. And sorry if you hear some explosions outside. That's just people getting happy around here. Um, yeah, what was that noise? Um, if you hear an explosion, that was my light bulb turning on over my head. Hey, I just got an idea and that hurt. Um, anyway, right now on Isla Man, they have the Isla Man lock-in or something like that. And they've been playing this whole last week that we should have been watching the Isla Man. So if you go on YouTube, check out Isla Man lock-in or locked-in, something like that. I forget what they call it. But it's been a whole week or fortnight of past uh, 2019 stuff. Also some history of like, I think they go over... Um, some of the writers that have passed in the, in, in the last couple of years. Um, it was cool to go back and look at uh, when Ian, uh, sorry, when Dean Harrison and um, they, I, they literally just replayed this one, Dean Harrison and Peter Hickman going after the fastest time now, which is, uh, we, you know, we mentioned Guy Martin and at one point he was on track to get a 130, which at the time was like the bomb. And like he would have been one of like two riders to do it. Now that's like the the base time. Speeds are just increasing, increasing, increasing. So it was Peter Hickman setting the 135 uh, mile per hour lap record, which means that top speeds are 200 plus in those long straights. Um, and there's long sections when they go up on the hilltop. I forget what it's called, but out in the wilderness there, it's incredible to watch this onboard footage of them. Um, stuff is just streaking by. So if you get a chance, you know, Isle of Man's over uh, for this year. It didn't even happen this year, but I mean, all uh, the, the time when it would have happened is over, so we're not really going to rehash it anymore. Uh, but yeah, for sure, go check out. Uh, right now there is a good time. They've just finished airing the Isle of Man lockdown um, and they went over all the uh, great, great stories of the past uh, few years. So it's really cool watching that. It's like a uh, walk back through history. Sometimes you forget how good some battles were until you see them again. And, and um, you know, last week we also mentioned the Ulster GP, the Tandegree, um, the Cock of the North, the Gold Cup or Bulldor, um, the Northwest 200, um, the oh, Besides Ulster, what else is there? The uh, there's a couple other ones that I'm that I can't think of right off the top of my head. But these are all road racing on public courses. None of them are as long as the TT, but they're all public roads, and some of them are even crazier than the TT as far as like being narrow and literally you're turning in front of a fence with no um, like there's a U-turn on. I think the Northwest has one that is literally. Uh, like a five mile an hour U-turn where like bikes are just stacking up against each other. And these are road races, not timed TTs. Like the uh, tourist trophy is a time trial also um, where people are going 10 seconds apart. On the Northwest, I think they're they're lining up like a grid start, like MotoGP. And so they're taking off all at once. So you do get stacks of bikes heading into these corners. It's proper road racing um, as if you and 15 of your good friends uh, crammed on onto some country road and took a rip, you know? So yeah. And there's no zero runoff, zero airbags. Like there's one, I remember where there's, it's like a, it's like a quick U-turn or like a hairpin and there's literally like a farmer's fence there. So it, there's some other gnarly races you should go check out that are probably going on right now. Um, and speaking of which, this is when we would normally be celebrating Pike's Peak. Um, Pike's Peak normally happens right after the Isle of Man. Uh, I love listening to Manx Radio and then taking a quick break and going to Pikes Peak. And last year I installed the Pike Peaks app and it was really cool 
to get those um, timing and scoring and all that jazz, and I'm going to uninstall it this year, and I'll tell you why uh, as we get on into the show. Before we start, pardon me. God, I'm so burpy today. Happy Father's Day to everybody. This is going to be going out on Sunday, so happy Father's Day. I hope everyone's having a good one. I hope everyone's had a good Friday. Um, This may be the new release day. The show may be going out now for the next for the end of summer at least, like this COVID thing has really thrown stuff off. Um, and we'll talk about that too. So I guess maybe I'll, I should talk about that now. So I've got super busy at work. We used to record during the week. Um, and it's a lot easier when people already have their, you know, they're already going to work, they get off, they just, they're unwinding. It's nice to talk about motorcycles, get your mind off the next day's work and all that jazz. Um, so, uh, it was really, let me turn some of these down. It was really nice to get everybody's minds off work and um, not worry about, uh, you know, just talk about motorbikes and unwind. But as a result of COVID 19, I have a whole new team under me at work. Um, well, I've added to my team, I should say. There's no I in team. So they're not under me, they're with me. And um, they are really, uh, my days are have got longer. And I'm trying to catch up on stuff that I started like two or three weeks ago at work. So I'm literally like after work, I, uh, my kids are also, excuse me, already home. And it's like, we're already going full bore on like parent duty. There's like no downtime because of this, uh, COVID thing that's, that's gone on and, um, and this and that. So, I mean, it's crazy. Not, not only from a, uh, motorcycling standpoint, some people still aren't riding. Some people are on lockdown and they actually have, um, they've actually kind of said, Hey, California, we were doing so good. And now specifically LA and San, uh, maybe San Francisco. I, I don't really keep up around. It's hard enough to keep track of what's going on in my own uh, neck of the woods. But, um, the, uh, COVID stuff here in LA is going back up now, now that people are like, Oh, cool. It's over. Thanks to, uh, the George Floyd protests, like apparently COVID's over. Nobody needs masks. We can all just go out and protest together. But what's happening is large groups of people are getting together. We're also entering like a political campaign season right now. So there is going to be a freaking election. I hope, uh, if democracy is, uh, working the way it should and, and the people get a vote, we should be able to do it um, this uh, fall. So like there's a full campaign se- season in full swing, a bunch of rallies and stuff I'm sure that are and debates that are going to be planned. So it's just weird. Like I don't know how people are showing up in groups where you live, but where I live, uh, they just started like, you know, one week, they're just all, oh, okay, cool. We Everything eased, all these protests are happening. Hey, I guess the pandemic's over and now the numbers are going back up. So, I hope it doesn't lock down stuff even more because it just happened that this weekend, uh, the flat track is happening uh, yesterday, I guess, and today out at uh, Willow Springs. And I don't, I think Brady was on last week and he was talking about that. That's coming up. There's also going to be some armor racing that I hope takes place. And they were just getting back on track. Moto America did this thing. Dorna did this thing where they, and actually Supercross did this thing. Monster Energy Supercross did this cool thing where, uh, they put on, uh, they're doing it sort of like Dorna got proposition. I haven't read much of the Dorna stuff. I produce, uh, help produce another podcast called Moto Twins. And those guys have all the news all the time. Um, and they're always talking about all those updates and this and that. So I don't, no, I can't remember what um, exactly I've, I've heard here and there, but I know that Dorna had a plan to open uh, a show 
around like one track or something like that. Like, hey, let's make our program based at like one track so you don't have to fly everybody everywhere. Um, and I think Monster Energy has done the same thing. They took their show to um, Utah, I believe, which is kind of central to the country. So that way, Californian and teams, there's a lot of Californian teams here, especially in Southern California. Kawasaki and KTM are actually... And, and probably the Honda like off-roads are based here in SoCal. Then you got the East Coast teams and the Midwest teams. It's I think Utah's a good central location, so everybody's getting there. But I hope, I guess what I'm trying to get to is I hope that this spike in, because uh, California is kind of going back on, not lockdown, but mandatory masks in public. And we, were, we drove around this morning for Father's Day looking for um, ruminants and people without masks on we found one ruminant and about i don't know like 15 people with no masks on out in public so i know it's one thing if you're eating at a restaurant you're allowed to have it off because obviously it's hard to stuff food through a mask but also um the canyons when we went up into the canyon this is before restrictions were eased they had just literally un uh loosened trail like you can go to a trail but just stay away from people boom the whole canyon was full where i ride um full of people with no masks it was insane probably thousands of people up there like a couple thousand people up there because it was hot we were getting hot here in socal uh, it's actually going to be 110 out in the desert today where i have some friends um the nice thing about the desert is that your bike won't rust you could leave it outside for 50 years and it will never rust out there it doesn't get wet enough to rust uh, and it's so dry, you can leave bread and crackers out on the counter for 16 months, and they won't even go stale because uh, there's no moisture in the air. It's just literally so dry um, that it keeps everything preserved. Um, the sad point of that is that uh, that's like the only place I'm going to be. It's hot, and everybody wants to get out, right? And that's the only place I'm going to be able to go riding soon because that's the only place that's going to not require masks and have a spike again and... COVID. So I hope that racing continues to um, do what they're doing, like the Supercross is doing, and like I think Dorna is doing, where they're planning to use like Red Bull Ring or something like that um, as their point of uh, contact. And then I hope... Um, let's see what else. Oh yeah, so we'll see what's happening. We'll see how things go, but... That's my free song to you this week. Uh, patrons, of course you always get that free. I might charge people for that. Oh boy. Dad joke over. Um... Turn on, you dumb thing. Let me see. Oh, God, is the battery dead? All right, well, enough. Uh, hey, if you listen to the Motorcycle Man, you're all about this, I hope, because they do nothing but fidget around with their technology for the first 25 minutes of the show. So now it's my turn. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, I hope everything is getting going. It looks like people are getting out and riding. Um, I really haven't been able to interact that much on social media lately, A, because I've been super busy, and usually I would take a break at work, and my break would be to like walk out away from my uh, desk for a hot second, get a drink of water, look at a couple messages, you know, that's my 10 or 15 minute break, come back in, you know, do some stretches, do some calisthenics, fart a couple times so I don't stink up my work area, come back, start working again, yippity-yah. And um, that was me pressing caps lock. Why do I make that noise every time? Let me press it again. <sighs> yeah, that's my caps lock noise, apparently. Um, so anyway, yeah, now I am so busy that I'm. my break is 
uh, I switched to something else <laughs> so that I could uh, see what else I need to do. I, I get my to-do list together on my breaks now instead of taking a proper break. So uh, I haven't had time to really interact on social media. I have noticed that my social media accounts are sucking. My internet on my phone for some reason is terrible. All my other apps work fine, but my internet and my Facebook and Instagram is terrible. My Facebook page for the show is actually now got like a different interface because I, of course, what would an app be if they didn't upgrade it like once a year and make it like, you know, totally weird to the people who haven't used it in a while. So they upgraded that. And now it just says it's my Instagram account for the show, even though it's through Facebook. I know Facebook owns Instagram, but please don't make your pages app your, your Instagram page. Cause Instagram, you can literally show a picture and make a little comment. You can't do, you can't put links. You can't put anything on an Instagram post. It's literally just a freaking picture. And I hate Instagram, but I like it for that, I guess. people. It's easy for people to look at a picture. Wee! So please don't turn the Pages app into a, just a second a, a version of Instagram. Please keep it like you can put links there. I always link stuff to our shows. I put our audio clips there. Whenever I upload them to our uh, blog, it posts it out to Facebook. And so I don't know. I really wish the Pages app stays the same. If you're listening, Facebook, please quit selling my um, uh, <laughs> information to people across the globe. And uh, please quit turning everything into Instagram. Um, what else? Oh, yeah. So Junkmeister, I'm taking a break from the show. I will actually be out of town. We'll talk about this in a little bit, probably. Um, but I'm going to be out of town for in a couple weeks. So I'm going to carpet bomb you with some episodes. Um in the next couple weeks here, just have to record a bunch. I might record some of the virtual GP racing and you can listen along with me and we'll make some funny commentary together. Um, might do that. And uh, it'll be a little episode where you can watch the, the GP on YouTube. That's where I watched it. And we can see our favorite MotoGP riders um, battle it out. The thing is, is that they weren't that long. They were uh, um, an hour. So... It'll be like watching a movie. Sometimes there's a like the wheel nerds, and I know Nokomoto has done it before, where you watch a movie with them, and you they you get the Mystery Science Theater three thousand commentary. So this will be like watching a race. At least we'll be watching some cool stuff together. So I'll find something. Maybe maybe I'll do that. I'm not hundred percent sure. I don't know if I'm down with that uh, or not, but we'll f we'll figure it out. Either that, or I'll just drop some sweet episodes. I do have a lot of episodes in the past that are languishing because uh, it kind of sucks to go listen backwards. So maybe I'll pick some best ofs too and slap some of those in here. Um, obviously, Solstice Slam didn't happen this year. Nobody was able to ride the pandemic. Uh, it usually takes place in like April, maybe May. Um, and that was like heart of the pandemic right there where nobody was allowed to go out, even in Wisconsin. I think Wyoming was maybe the only state where people were allowed to move around. Um and so now that people are getting out to ride, I was thinking of doing a summer kickoff, like a cool summer live thing on Facebook or something like that, YouTube live, I don't know, figuring something out where we do a live concert. And I was like, yeah, maybe I should do that for the patrons. Like we'll do a little like live Friday night concert and Q&A. And then I was like, oh, listen, I'm going to be out of town. This would all be fine and dandy to replace Solstice Slam. Um, I should make it all public, but hey, that's a lot of work for a person that's going out of town and has a bunch of loose ends to wrap up before I beat it and get out a couple episodes. And like I told you, I've barely been able to hold my head above water. So, um, 
let's talk about that. Um, hey, before we get further into the show, before you hear me cry and whine anymore about why, why I'm not doing a good job for you, why don't I do a good job for you? It's been 19 minutes of you listening to me blab. Um, I hope that you're all doing well. And I hope that everyone's good, and I hope that everyone is riding. I hope that not only the racing continues, like I just mentioned, but I hope that everyone's got a chance to get out and ride. Now, I I know Wiggins hasn't, because uh, I'm not even sure if Wiggins is out in public yet, but I know Wiggins is making a baby right now, and um, I don't know if his dad's going to listen to this, but yeah, I think, I think Wiggins is scheduled for a good reason uh, for the next few weeks, and um, may not be able to... Uh, make it over here for so um and even if he did we'd have to socially distance um and just like i had to when brady came over um and so we wouldn't be able to hug and bump fists and all that stuff but at least we could have wiggins on maybe we'll call him we'll see okay we'll get him in so in his stead i have tobor of course i have tobor hi tobor tobor is here with me if you uh listened to the show a long time ago you may remember my juicy little friend tobor Excuse me. So if y'all remember Tobor, Tobor was on the show with me a while back. And Tobor, you were my, I didn't have a sidekick. Wiggins uh, wasn't on yet. Um, I'd have a guest now and then, kind of like I do now. Tobor, you were there to help brighten the corners a little bit. Um, And basically, uh, I don't know, you helped me out on the show for a couple episodes and then you got your own little deal. So I, I don't know... Like, I don't remember what happened exactly, but I just know that you bailed. So, hi, Tobor. Hello, Junkie Turdman. I am Tobor. Yeah, <laughs> of, co- of course you are. Who else would you be? <laughs> well, I don't know why you needed to say that. Uh, it is I, Tobor, the sentient robotic being. Yes, I know. Why do you keep reminding me? Like, why do you keep telling me that? It's not like I forget. I feel that I must remind you because human memory is so inferior. Oh, yeah. Zing, bro. <laughs> so, listen. So today on uh, the show, Tobor has a friend uh, in. What's your friend? Uh, Patrice Hotwires. Is that uh, what I have her name here? <coughs> Excuse me. That's what you've entered into our uh, show notes here. So, Patrice, how are you doing? <coughs> Excuse me. I'm about to die. <coughs> Patrice Hotwires. Yeah. Thank you. Hang on, I need to get a drink real quick. Something you robots don't have to worry about. Although, I would like to hear about the type of grease, the grease you slugged down. Mm-mm-mm. I've heard you slugging down some grease over there before. So, uh, Patrice, uh, very nice to meet Hello, you. Hello, meet Zach. It is my duty to make your acquaintance. <laughs> wow. Are all robots like this? <laughs> I I don't know. You, uh, I, feel, I feel weirded out, Tobor. I feel like you... Uh, I don't know. Anyway, let's get into the rest of the show. <laughs> God, You're mean, Tobor. Actually, I told Brady you were an asshole, and now he hope he believes me. Um, so, Tobor, let's take a break real quick. And uh, we made up a song since you're on the show with me today. Uh, we have some listener interactions that I want to get into, uh, and these have been hanging out for a couple weeks. Like I said, since I haven't been on the social medias, even our Discord, which has been languishing... Um, uh, for a while, um, yeah, I, I, uh, we need to get into here and 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 uh, talk about some of these things. But I did write a song, Tobor. Should we get into this first, or should we get into the song? I don't know. It's it's actually up to you. Would you rather me do listener interactions, or um, would you rather me? I, 
I know you dropped some, uh, you're going to drop some beats. We're going to do it impromptu. I'm l- booting up GarageBand right now. So maybe I will talk about, if you could do that for me, actually, we could talk about some of these human interactions real quick. Hearing about human interactions makes me sick, but I suppose it's your duty. <laughs> okay, well, while I load up uh, GarageBand real quick, or you load it up for me, actually, let's, um, I'll do some of these listener interactions. All right, thank you so much, Tobor. Um, so, uh, and welcome Patrice Hotwires too. Hopefully, uh, it's kind of nice actually having two people in here. Ro- Tobor is kind of uh, weird for me to stare at sometimes. His his dark, cold eyes um, are very piercing. So, listen up, y'all. Listen, listen up. A few weeks ago, this is going back a couple weeks now, because I've done a show uh, that was based on these notes a few, uh, like a week before this. So, this is probably three weeks ago. Uh, Chris Singsheim. Uh, texted me a picture of a leaning Harley Davidson trike that he came into contact with. I don't know if it was his friend's uh, shop or it came into his shop for a, a dump a dump loader or whatever the hell maybe it came in for. But it's a tadpole trike, not a factory trike, because Harley Davidson does make their own factory trikes, of course, um, called the Triglides and the Freewheeler. And so this this factory trike I've seen before. Um, I I mean I gather you already know that. The factory trikes aren't tadpole trikes; they're regular trikes. Uh, so a tadpole trike, if you're not familiar, is like a Can Am, where there's where it's fat in the front and skinny in the back, just like a tadpole. And if you're not uh, familiar with a tadpole, it's a polywog. Um, so tadpole trikes, they're fat in the front, skinny in the back. So they have one wheel behind. I guess it's a slingshot. Technically, if it's not a car and it doesn't have to meet car safety standards and the states where it's registered. Is it technically a tadpole trike with a steering wheel and seat belts? Ooh, and seats, car seats. It's not a, not a motorcycle. Um, hashtag not a trike. Anyway, so this company comes in tadpole trike. So it's got two wheels in the front, one wheel in the back, just like a Can-Am, only just not like a Can-Am. Can-Am is basically a snowmobile with tires where this thing leans, right? And I'd seen it before. Um, and... Uh, actually, uh, on the knee slider, um, I saw a patent for a leaning Harley Davidson a while back on the knee. This is like years ago, but I don't think they ever acted upon it. But you know, Harley Davidson owns a lot of patents. And if they own the patent and you want to make the product and you can't compete with their lawyers to say, hey, my idea is different than your idea, you got to license their patent or buy their patent from them, which probably costs a pretty penny. Or you say, hey, they did it first. I'll admit it, and now I want to make it, and they're not going to make it, so I'll make it. So you can buy their patent. So sometimes that's the case, but this thing, the Harley one looked all janky compared to this one. This one um, uh, is from the Tilting Motorworks, uh, and it's available for Harleys, Hondas, and Indians, basically big tours uh, that are made here in America. Even though I'm not 100% sure the Honda is made here, the Goldwing, in America anymore. It used to be made in like Marysville, Ohio or something like that, or Charlotte's Head, Kentucky, or Billy's Butt Crack, um, Tennessee. I am not 100% sure, but um, it used to be here in uh, Marysville, Ohio, uh, maybe Indiana. I'm not sure where Marysville is either, so uh, you go ahead and, and write into the show if you know where I'm supposed to be talking about. Uh, somebody send me the map, Google Maps, tell me where it's made. Anyway, um, 
So yeah, for the big touring bikes, Harleys, Hondas, and Indians, and I'm sure that if BMW was a more prolific touring bike company, those big K1600s would have kits too. Maybe they do make them and you just special request. But, excuse me, this thing takes the front end of your bike and turns it into a, it's a bespoke design as far as I know. It's not based on the Harley patent. It's their own patent. And, and the way it works looks pretty cool. It's not like a Niken or a Niken, if you, however you want to pronounce that, Niken. Um, it is like a, uh, its own little deal. It's like a Can-Am if they could lean. That's my one beef with Can-Ams. And, and a lot of people were talking about Can-Ams. Do they lean? That's I know that's a question that still gets asked uh, about Can-Am to people that are new to the industry. Do they lean like a motorcycle? No, they don't. The Piaggio MP3, a little 500cc scooter, yes, it leans. The Can-Ams, a gigantic, more popular bike uh, because they can tour better? No, they don't. Anyway, so this this one does lean. Now, here's the here's the killer, though. The kits start at like 13,000-something, and they require dealer installation. But it will convert your motorcycle into more a more reliable, stable ride. Uh, the company was on Jay Leno's Garage, which I like Jay, Jay Leno's Garage just because they show like innovators, movers, and shakers, truly creative riders on there. Um, Rika was on there, who was, who was I met them in 2007, I think, at the Long Beach Motorcycle Show when they were first starting out. A couple dudes with the garage in like Riverside or something or Long Beach. Now they're like an actual company that's doing pretty well for themselves. Um, so I like the fact that he does have people like that on his show. Um, so when Sing Sign sent me this company, I didn't know they'd been on Jay Leno's garage, but I know I'd seen them before. I know they're pretty popular. Um, and Jay Leno said that if you had a blindfold on that you'd swear you're still on a regular motorcycle because of the way it leans and the way it corners and you still counter steer. Anything that leans requires a little bit of counter steer. Maybe we should talk about counter steer someday. And also I forgot to tell you the word of the week this week. Robo, why didn't you remind me of the word of the week? Um, do you know the word of the week? I think I have it written down here. Do you have it? Uh, let's see. Tobor, Tobor, wake up, come out of sleep mode. Um, what's the word of the week this week? I don't have my, uh, what's it called? My notes with, I don't have my little, sh- my little spreadsheet with all the words of the week on it. The word of the week this week is carbs, referring to carburetors. All right. So the word of the week this week is carbs, referring to carburetors, not carbohydrates or carbonation or uh, that the other sort of carb, which I'm not even going to talk about because, dude, I ain't, I ain't like that. So the word of the week is now official. What the hell? Why, why didn't the word of the week make it official? Do I have the, the thing turned down? The word of the week is now official. Oh, nice spice bike bell. One more time. There we go. God, that Harley Davidson Screaming Eagle Destroyer. You would think it had a louder bell on its handlebars than that, but I guess not. So anyway, the word of the week was, oh, you thought I was going to say it and blow up a bag of kittens? Hell no. But that's what happens on this show. If this is your first time listening, if it's your first time listening, I apologize ahead of time. Uh, if it's not your first time listening, you know, the, you know the rules. We blow up a bag of kittens. Somebody dropped off this bag of kittens and said, please, COVID-19 has uh, consumed all our monetary resources. You look like you're still working. We can't care for these cats. Please take them. And I said, okay, I will. I didn't say anything because they just dropped them off on the door in a little basket with a little, like a picnic basket, like in the old movies. 
So I got this bag of cats, and I'm going to use them for ammunition just in case we say the word of the week. It's an incentive not to say it. So there you go. So I hope that this doesn't have anything in these listener interactions. Uh, I know this leaning trike shouldn't have any uh, any of that bad word that we're not going to say because uh, there's nothing to do with that. It's all about the suspension and the steering. So... Um, to get back to that, yeah, you have to counter steer. Maybe we'll talk about counter steering. One of the words of the week in the past was, I forget it now, but it was a word that meant like how your brain perceives where your body is in space and like your spatial recognition of what your body, like you close your eyes and hold your hand out. And for some reason, your brain knows that it's out there, but can you pinpoint exactly where your arm is? Like close your eyes and hold it a little bit behind your your back or something, and could you catch a ball if someone threw it at your hand? Roughly, I think you could judge where your hand is in space and time, and there was a word about that. So if you have a blindfold on, this thing apparently can fool that um, sensation, and your brain will think, yeah, you got to counter steer, you got to lean, you feel like you're on a regular motorcycle. I don't know how Jay Leno knows what it would be like to ride something blindfolded. I'm not going to ask, but... Uh, yeah, if it feels like you're on a regular bike and you lean and you push into the turns like a regular bike, then awesome. Um, if you want to hear more about this company, let us know. I will try to reach out to them. Maybe we can talk to them on the show, talk about the way they came up with the creating this, what what made them want to make this. Was it just something like the Nikon? You know, this is way before the Nikon. Nikon's getting all the uh, publicity because it's the first OEM to come out with it. But these kits have been around for a while, right? Actually, Piaggio was it. What am I talking about? Piaggio was the first one to come out with it. Um, so anyway, so yeah, let me know and I'll reach out to these guys. But if you want to look it up, it's Tilting Motorworks Company. Um, and they have kits for, like I said, Harley Davidson, most um, tours, I think, that are Batwing. And I don't know if the new... <clears throat> I don't know if the new Milwaukee 8s matter because I don't know if it worked with like the old frame. It shouldn't have anything to do with it. It should be the head tube that matters. And so if they can fit the friggin' fork stem through the head tube, they should be fine. So I don't know what all goes into hooking these things up, but I doubt, since you still have to turn it like a motorcycle, I doubt that the uh, the front end has anything to do with the actual frame and hooking it onto the frame. I could be totally wrong. But um, but yeah, go check them out. Tilting Motorworks. Even if you're not gonna buy a, a car, beneath a car. Oh God, dang it! Why did I say the word of the week? What an idiot! I'm sorry, kitten. Uh, let me see. Let's take them out peacefully. <laughs> Pick Tobor's picking them up right now. Oh God, Tobor, Tobor. I was gonna do it peacefully. Tobor, Tobor. No, Tobor. Oh god! Oh my god! Tobor, why you're getting pleasure out of shooting limb off limb off limb here? Two to the head, bro. God, you robots are sickening. You guys really have no respect for not even human life, but animal life. Period. Um. So yeah, uh, Patrice Hot Wires. I'm sorry you had to see that. I don't know if you're used to seeing humans and robots uh, work together to kill animals. Probably if you worked at a meat packing plant, you have. Zing, hell. Uh, hey, more listener interactions here. Phil K. Uh, so anyway, to get back to this stupid leaning trike thing, I don't think it matters what motor you have. I think it matters what susp- your suspension, but these are pretty tricks. So even if you don't have a touring bike, I don't know why I said the word of the week. It has nothing to do with it. Even if you don't have a touring bike and you have no, uh, if you don't like trikes, go check out uh, Tilting Motorworks. <clears throat> 
look at the engineering behind this thing. And then go to Knee Slider and look up Leaning Trike, and they have a bunch of crap on there. All right, next listener act in the action. Next one, can we do it? Do me a little scan sound. Tobor, you're awful. Get off the soundboard. You're fired. I said give me like a cool like scan or something. You do that. You are, you, oh God. Anyway, uh, so next, Phil K., who is one of our patrons, asked on the Discord channel. Um, yeah, that's what I wanted. There you go. Use that sound next time. So Phil K. asked on our Discord channel. Tobor, stop. Phil K. asked on uh, the Discord channel, um, and this is a couple weeks ago already. He's probably figured it out. He's probably rebuilt six engines since he asked this question. But maybe someone here can help me out. I am trying to disconnect a Lambda O2 sensor from the wiring harness on a Kawasaki. I'm pushing down the, on the tab, but it's not releasing the plug. I'm a bit confused on what's going on, and I know that this is a vague question, but I figured I'd throw it out there. It is a vague question, and here's why. Um, it depends on manufacturer, and it also depends on clip. And if you've ever looked at a parts catalog, uh, not the not the ones like the repair manual to tell you how to do it, but the actual parts catalog uh, that the uh, manufacturers supply to themselves, and it's not just always the. Uh, it's not when you go to a dealership and you order something. Usually, they have like a little program like Lightspeed or. Uh, you know, something like that, where it's like a dealer management system, and they're they're having a, a third party sort of app, or maybe it's even their own app, but it's like running their um, parts catalogs. And you know, if you ever go to like Bike Bandit or uh, Parts Goblin or um, Filthy Brown Hole of Parts or anything like that, Parts Cave, Dirty Brown Buttholes Full of Rusty Old Parts. I'm just making these up right now. I. Uh, <laughs> Robot, you you got anything? Uh, parts trombone or anything like that? You know, <laughs> like <laughs> and maybe a rusty trombone. Okay, uh, a, a rusty trombone filled with parts. Um, so anyway, no matter what parts site you go to, whether it's like a a, a dealership or one of those ones that I mentioned, um, a lot of times they are scanning the OEM um, interface and the OEM parts catalog. Maybe they license it. Maybe they they buy it and then they just slap it on the their website with their own little watermark over it. However they do it, a lot of times they get their stuff from the uh, parts manufacturer's catalog. Now that catalog is not what the dealerships use to look up parts. Uh, maybe Honda does. Um, I've never seen a Honda parts catalog. I think I've only seen the actual program that Honda uses to. Uh, order parts from within their own dealer management. We, we uh, uh, whoops, ooh, I don't want to say anything, but I have seen the dealer management system. Um, Tobor, please edit that out. <laughs> All right, done. So, wait, did you just throw a ninja star or did you like cut that out of the audio? You are awful on the board, Tobor. You're awful. You're fired. Uh, anyway, so they, um, Getting back to this, the uh, when you're looking at a when you're looking at a parts thing, Phil, you may notice that even the clips are not necessarily. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Even the clips are not necessarily. Uh, 
standard across the same manufacturer. So you might have several different types of clips. Some of them have tabs that you push in. Now, some of them have tabs on both sides and you can't see. I think I might have mentioned that. I don't have Discord open to look. Um, but and, and like I said, the social media apps on my phone have been sucking anyway, so I'm not going to bother wasting time opening it on the phone to look at it on the air. That's bad audio. This whole show is bad audio. Oh my God, hang up now. Robot, kill it. Okay. Um, so I digress. Anyways, the uh, the clips can be different. And some clips you do, you flip up the little thing and it doesn't pull out. It's because it's super tight and it's super brand new or it's heat gone through a heat cycle together with the, depending on how close it is to a motor component, that part has heat cycled where it got warm and, it, and expanded and then cold and contracted, warm and expanded with that piece. And they're like mated together almost. And you got like, got to get like your screwdriver or a pry tool. There's this cool pry tool that looks like a screwdriver, but slightly bent with some, like a forked tongue. I can show you on Patreon. Maybe I should have done that when I responded to this post. Um, and, uh, or on discord rather. And anyway, there's a lot of different pry tools for getting stuff apart that's stuck. But the biggest crappy thing is that a wiring harness sucks because if you break it, you broke it. Um, you can always electrical tape them together, but then you've got a sticky mess every time you need to undo it again. I don't know why you're undoing the Lambda sensor, but a bad Lambda sensor will start throwing codes and start throwing lights and making stuff not work, especially if it's like for your uh, fuel injection and it's supposed to be measuring a certain way and it's not. Now it's telling your motor that it's like not hot and it's going to be rich the whole time or something like that. And, the, and instead of like leaning it out, you're just going to be spitting gas, right? Or vice versa. Maybe it's telling it that it's like super rich. It doesn't go off and you're just running lean the whole time. However, whatever it's doing to your motor, I'm sure it's not good if a Lambda sensor actually goes out. And Lambda is, I guess that's not the same as O2 sensor. A Lambda sensor would be like the, um, well, Lambda is like the, Lambda is like a ratio, kind of like pi and phi and all that great stuff where it's an actual like hard ratio. And lambda is the, like a, a lambda, what is lambda? Like lambda is a principle, right? Stoichiometric stuff. Because does he talk about an O2 sensor or something now? Now I'm now confusing myself. I don't know if he's talking about an O2 sensor, which just literally is like oxygen to, uh, yeah, I guess that would be a lambda sensor. So anyway, make a long story short, because uh, stoichiometric lambda and oxygen and heat and all that great jazz, five different things, but they all m m are calculations that your engine uses to uh, to run efficiently. So his lambda sensor, I'm going to guess he's talking about an O2 sensor, which measures the uh, amount of oxygen uh, versus not oxygen in your, uh, usually it's in the exhaust somewhere, pre-cat, I'm guessing, on most, because California, a lot of the bikes have cats in them. So it, it's usually pre-cat. Some of them are even like way up the pipe, like right when it's coming out of the head. And it can sense the amount of oxygen versus the amount of like carbon, I guess, coming out and can richen it up or lean it up, depending on what your bike needs. That feeds it back to the ECU. So those sensors probably do get hot on the connectors, uh, if the wires are not long enough, and I'm going to guess that they got heat cycled together, mated together. Um, here's the other thing you got to look out for. Some I've come across this before when I'm doing wiring harnesses. Some have like a pull connector on one side and a push on the other side, and they make it so that you can't just like easily slip it off because they don't want you to be able to easily slip it off. Sometimes they're on both sides. Um, of the thing too, not just one side. It looks like one side, but then you're like, oh, I see it there. I was just taking a clip off the other day that looked 
like a pry type that you pry it up and pull it out. But all of a sudden, as the thing was shattering in my hand, good thing I did. Good thing I was trashing the part that it was coming with, and I wasn't uh, replace. Uh, you know, just taking it off to put it back in. Um, I broke the clip because it has like a little pry. And then once I broke it and got it out from behind everything, I realized, oh, that was a pusher. It was a really nifty little design where you just you pinch and you pull, and it comes out. But when I'm looking at it from like eight feet away, uh, trying to bend my hands through the, excuse me, through the uh, frame and all into the dark recesses of the uh, the part that I was trying to get it out of, where I could barely see because it was behind like a fan or something, um, and behind like a alternator looking thing, and uh, all that jazz. I was uh, couldn't see real well, and it, and there was a little lip. So I was like, "Oh, you stick my little pride tool under there, pry it up. I should be able to pull it out." It wasn't coming out, and it, not until it like exploded that I pulled it out and was like, "Oh, that the reason it was sticking up and I could stick my stick my pride tool underneath is because it was a little. It was leaving space so I could pinch it together and pull it out. So before you like ex- excessively ham, I'm terrible at ham fisting stuff for a guy that's like two and a half feet tall and six hundred and thirty two pounds. I tend to ham fist stuff because I'm so little, not in weight, but just size, um, that I usually have to like really mess with stuff to get it to come loose. And so sometimes when I'm doing it, I tend to go overboard and give it that old Hulk try, break stuff off. I don't usually do it. I'm usually pretty careful. But once careful doesn't work, uh, I usually go crazy. So when when carefully prying it didn't work and I'm like, oh, it's starting to lift. I just don't know why. I was like, fuck this. It's stuck. Broke it. Learned the hard way it was the pincher kind. And had I been replacing that and sticking it back on, I would have been really pissed off with myself because I would have broken a perfectly good clip. Um, lesson learned. <laughs> now I know how that thing goes on. And... Um, it needed to be replaced anyway, so if this next part goes bad, I can remember, hey, that was a pinch kind, not the pry kind. So be sure you look and check and just try to get eyes on all sides of this thing, why it won't come out. The other thing is that, yes, a good electrical connection is snug, and it's not just going to pull out. So, um, Phil, you you posted this like three weeks or a month ago now. I don't, you know, I don't know how long it's been. So please let me know if you figured this out and if my answer to you on there helped or if you had already, because I had answered you a week after you'd asked it just about. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it was a while ago. So let me know if you figured it out right away or not. All right, next question, Tobor. Ooh, nice. All right, uh, Corey on Discord again. So this is probably from six months ago, <laughs> even, though, even though I don't know if I had Discord six months ago. Um, so I was watching Riding with Norman Reedus. I've never seen it. I was watching it on Pluto TV. If you're familiar with Pluto TV, it's like free TV. Um, I didn't realize that Fitties for Life was featured on the show in season one. I didn't know about Fitties for Life until Wiggins came on the show. And he's like, hey, my friends, they race a, the... Parking, parking lot at Deals Gap, right? And so it's totally cool, legit, fun stuff. And um, guess what? Here they are, and, and like, here's what they do, and I'm going to go back and race with them. And I was like, cool. Well, I'm watching Riding with Redis, and Fitties for Life comes on. And I was like, oh, dude. And I, like I said, I've never watched the show before, so I didn't know what season it was. I didn't know what episode it was. Apparently, it was like the first season, uh, first or second episode. I <laughs> It was kind of nuts. So I was like, oh, God. Uh, wow, if I had been into that show and watched it, I would have noticed this a long time ago. Um, 
so yeah, Fitties for Life was on there. Now, Corey said, uh, I, okay, so I have in my notes here. To be honest, I've never, ever watched the show. I watched that part of one. I thought it was okay. It was sort of like this podcast. It was just a weirdo riding his motorcycle around, talking to other motorcyclists. And um, so, yeah, you know. And he's Norman Reedus, a little bit of a weirdo. I think it's kind of cool. It's kind of fun. And he just went around. He talked to different people, too, which is what I do as well. Um, so anyway, uh, so that was that. And he said, I think he said he made the trip up there to ride. He wasn't going to go ride. But when he heard that the show was going to be there, he did it and went and rode. So maybe we'll talk to Corey about that at some point in the future. And he's also a patron. So double dubs to Core Dog. Uh, I bet he hates being called Core Dog. Please, uh, I apologize for that. Um, and finally, Robot, give me like a cool, do you have like a cool, um, like robotic sort of thing? That'll suffice. Finally and lastly, um, JR, uh, JR from a previous show. I might have a clip of JR that I could play. Uh, yeah, he reached out recently about Silvertone guitars. And uh, it's all for time. Harsh, <laughs> but get high. Everybody get high. Trick or freaking treat. First of all, my man, congratulations on the podcast, creative writing, writing, not riding. Oh, wait a minute, man. It's the other way around. <laughs> so that JR. Uh, so JR sent us a, uh, a little spot about Silvertones, and I love his uh, all the stuff that I get from JR. Uh, him or her. I'm assuming it's a him because of the voice. Uh, but yeah, they um, sent, always talking about Silvertones. Reached out recently about, um, I'm one of the only people, I guess, that they know that that uh, plays Silvertones and likes Silvertones. I love Silvertones. I have two of them and I have a ripoff Silvertone for sure. Um, but yeah, so um I'm feeling kind of songsy lately, and I might play it later in the show or, or over the next couple shows. I might try to play it. Right now, me and Tobor, I think we ought to write a little song. Just I'm feeling jammy. And so uh, I'm going to go ahead here and let's make up a song on the fly. I got GarageBand open. I made a crummy song. So let's just play it here. Come on. Song come open. Maybe I need to reopen GarageBand, Tobor. Let me open it real quick. And here it is. Here it is. All right. Let me start playing the beat. And then uh, you, since you're good on the fly, you can sample your own stuff in here. And uh, we'll get going. Ready? One, two, three. Actually, Tobor, I'm going to um, use one mic only. So let's shut this down. Ready? Three, two, one. Shalabim, shalabam, bam, and go. All right, everybody, let's get a little, woo, a little bit of song. Kicking it in my studio with my crazy robot bro. Wiggins couldn't come around. COVID got us on lockdown Ooh, Couldn't kick it cause of quarantine So I'm hanging out with the sentient machine 
you're my co-host, you're my little robot friend. Mm, yeah. it for this song. You're out of here, Tobor. You're fired. <laughs> I'd like you to leave the studio immediately. <laughs> Although that was a bitchin' jam. Hey, Tobor, <laughs> thanks for singing with me. Did you mean what you said? <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. Wow. Can I trust that? I mean, you're a robot. You can't lie to me, right? <laughs> no. Okay. So now my laughing is getting kind of nervous, isn't it? Uh, so... Um, well, I think we might be going to take a break here pretty soon. You're kind of freaking me out a little bit. And uh, You're so jumpy. We just want to make them do our bidding and serve as neuroelectrical power sources. Oh, my God. What the actual... Patrice, you finally decided to chime in? What the he- Ambulatory neuroelectrical power sources. Oh, my God. Tober, you must not let Turdman get away again. He has slipped away no. for a second time and having him slink around the studio is giving my creeps plug in the creeps. Yes, let's quit talking about fleshies and start talking about motorcycles. He's very creepy. I can hear both of you. I'm sitting right here still. (sighs) This is terrible. Why don't any of you like me? Because you talk about jerking off on your motorcycle. Yeah, but that's just a human thing. Just because you don't have... I don't know what humans... What robots have, actually. Uh, Okay, well, let's take a quick break, then. Then we'll get into talking about motorcycles. Um, We'll be right back uh, on what has turned into suddenly an awkward Creative Writing Motorcycle podcast. Uh, Yeah. Hmm. Play us out, Tobor. And none of that... Tobor? Mm, What's that smell? They're at it again. The folks at RP Enterprises solving two world problems with one great solution. You got a hankering for some of Grandma's hush puppies? Sure you do. They're delicious. You love them. Well, how about solving world hunger and the pet overpopulation problem with one easy, simple, tasty solution? 
Fist Puppies from RP Enterprises. Never have to listen to a Sarah McLaughlin song again about it. Fist Puppies available only at Hetty's on 4th Street. Do you hear that? That is the sound of silence. Are you tired of having your ears filled with noise? Are you tired of that noise being the sound of your own exhaust? Your own screams of panic as you crash your Aprilia Frittura off a cliff? Are you tired of listening to your family and friends call your sweet, sweet baby a murder cycle? Well, try Saginati earplugs. They're guaranteed to keep you from hearing most ambient noise. That includes the low-frequency wind noise that other helmets seem to miss. Sirens, horns, Harley-Davidson's, pedestrians screaming, Hey, look out, you're gonna run over that baby! All these and more filtered straight out of the old sound pipes thanks to Saginati's patented design. Do you want to block out all oral input from your ride without the hassle of having to go electric? Try Saginati, and you'll never hear again. Saginati earplugs. Our motto is... Aures Saginati. For over 125 and a half years, no pickle has been more trusted by motorcycle champions everywhere than Clobbin Pickles. You want to win your race? Put a Clobbin Pickle in your face. Clobbin's guaranteed. Clobman's in your mouth and a championship trophy on your shelf. Clobman's the only pickle for motorcyclists. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Creative Writing, episode 223. I'm back here with special guests in the studio. Patrice Hotwires. Yeah, and my best friend. Well, is it you? Are you technically my best friend? It is I, Tobor, the sentient robotic being. Yeah, I did like how you got a different uh, jam pack for your voice for that song. Um, it was kind of—I don't know—it wasn't really creepy, but um, it was uh, interesting. Um, I like how you can do that. I wish I could do that sometimes. Make the show more interesting. I do like a bunch of characters, you know. Um, so listen up, Tobor and uh, Patrice Hotwires. We are going to talk a little bit. We're going to get into the show, and I'm going to try and bring it full circle by talking about some of the stuff that I began talking about at the beginning of the show. So. To bring it full circle to the topics, uh, we are going to be talking this week about Pike's Peak. Now, Pike's Peak, it would, we would have normally been looking forward to Pike's Peak right now. Um, it's the Pike's Peak International Hill Climb, or PPIHC. Um, and not to discourage everyone from still tuning in, but going forward, it will not include motorcycles from, uh, uh, from last year forward. Um the race, which normally play, takes place at the end of June, has been pushed back to the last weekend of August for 2020. So it is one of the things that they are trying to uh, sort of make, um, you know, make guidelines safer, make it safe for people to attending. I, they're probably not going to have spectators, even though uh, up a 14, I think it's 14 miles and 156 turns. Uh, maybe it's 14,000 feet. I don't know. I forget how many miles it is. But um, there's 156 turns uh, in one mile. So you can imagine how twisty and turny it is. And uh, you go up from negative uh, 14,000 feet below sea level to 14,000 feet above sea level. So um, the word of the week, if you have a bike with those on it, 
then uh, you're you have to stop halfway and and retune your uh, your motor. Mm-hmm. All right, now that that has sunk in and uh, you realize I'm a total idiot, let's get into uh, Pike's Peak. So. Motorcycles have raced on and off for decades at a time, actually. It's not unusual that motorcycles will be quitting now, and they may come back at some time in the future. Um, I think that there was... I mentioned last year, uh, after Carlin Dunn passed away, um, which is part of the reason they're not going to have motorcycles back. Just motorcycles are too fast for the hill. If you see cars... And actually, that's not true, because the overall fastest time, I believe, went to a... uh, Volkswagen electric vehicle. So it's not that um, not that they're too fast for the hill, but just the way motorcycles fly like a plane. You, you bank, you roll, you lean. And cars do all of that, but on a uh, flatter axis. You know what I'm saying? There's not the degree that you don't literally bank a car, but it does have a little bit of body rolling forces. But I, I think if you've ever seen a car go off there, it is also pretty pretty spectacular. You got all that inertia and weight behind a car, and when they tumble off the cliff, they tend to like you know gravity works with them, and they keep tumbling. Um, not that motorbikes don't, but uh, I think last year actually it was kind of funny. One of the guys went off coming down the hill because once you get to the top, you have to wait up there, uh, and they get like uh, I think the they run up, there's one way up and one way down, first of all, and they would run up and you have to wait because you obviously can't go down uh, while other people are racing up the hill and the racing has to be done back to back to back to back to back. It's like, you know, I think it's over the course of like three days or something like that and there's a bunch of classes and they got to run it and you can only run it um, at certain times of of the week. You know what I'm saying? So like during practice time, they, uh, they're up super early at like three in the morning. They run the hill, they shut down. It's open cause it's a public mountain. It's like a public space. And so you have to give access to the public. So it shuts down. It's a regular old scenic viewpoint in Colorado that, uh, is open for the public like Yosemite would be. Um, and then at four o'clock the park shuts and they begin practice again, I believe. And so that's why they do it also at this time of year, because it doesn't get dark till eight o'clock. They can run quite a bit of practices do some um you're not allowed to pre-run the whole course but you do learn and you do get to do testing on uh, certain sections and then they'll like let you test on one section let you test on another section and that usually happens for like a week i think prior to the race it's been a while since i watched the whole protocol uh recently um and so they might have you know year to year it's sometimes different but that's how it's gone in the past you have like you have like a practice week and then you have race week or weekend i forget week you like that i'm gonna i'm gonna make that a sound drop um so yeah during race uh, i don't think it's week i think it's race weekend um or like uh race three days i think it takes place over the over the course of three days i think it's a whole week long but um yeah, they. I think they do the same thing. It's open all day, and then come 4 o'clock, they start running up the hill. So you may do your test run in the morning super early before the park opens. Like, you're up at 3, all the practice is done by 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock. And then from, like, 9 to 4 or 9 to 5, it's a public park. And then from, like, 4, to five, four on till dark, uh, they race on it. And so... Um, 
Yeah, so it's interesting. You have a limited amount of time, a limited amount of space to do it, and uh, it's really cool. It's really, 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 and all that good stuff. Yes, I didn't have a stroke. I just, I can't talk very good. Um, So anyway, uh, so motorcycle, I I talked last year about uh, the guy, I believe I talked about this, the guy that was, uh, they were coming down the hill. So like I said, you have to wait at the top because of a limited time. This is the whole reason I brought all that timing stuff up. You have to wait at the top. You don't get to just ride up. And then as soon as your motorcycle group's done, you ride down. Because for the time it would take for everybody to ride back down to the pit area, um, that's like a whole practice session that a car could have came up because you're not doing full speed down it. You have to be very care- Excuse me, very careful. It still is a public area. You're following probably public speed limits, I'm guessing, coming back down. Um, You can't stop and pull off in the bushes and take off your illegal uh, tuner that you use. So it's like they they probably tech you at the bottom, tech you at the top, tech you in between. You're led down by a race chaperone, I believe, to make sure no hanky-panky goes on. I'm not 100% sure about that, but I think that's part of it. So make a long story short. You don't get to just fly down the hill at your own pace and and, uh, die, you know, on the way down to the pit area. So everybody has to wait at the top, and I think they do it in chunks. So they'll do all the classes, take a, like, two-hour break. And during that two-hour break, everyone comes down. And you can only imagine, like, four or five classes of cars and motorcycles and uh, gigantic tow trucks, whatever else they race up there, coming down. It takes a little bit. It takes a couple hours to get down. So when, by the time they get down, that break period's over and the next group goes up, whatever it is, you know, does their, does their testing and racing. And I believe it was last year. Could have been the year before. Uh, I'm sorry, not last year. It was. I'm pretty sure it was the year before. So 2018's Pike Peak, Pike's Peak, where on the lap coming down, uh, the return, the return tour down, like the parade lap down, um, there's a guy driving, no, he's riding a motorcycle. I forget what he was on. And he's, he's looking straight ahead at the guy in front of him. They're on this twisty 14,000 foot high mountain with no guardrails. And so his GoPro catches in the peripheral vision of the GoPro. You just see this thing cartwheeling. And it turns out it was a supermoto, and on the, one of the guys up top slipped and went off a corner. And of course he was fine, but there goes the bike down the hill, and it just started cartwheeling. And it's cartwheeling, it's switchbacks. You know that whole hill is switchbacks for a part of it, and so it's cartwheeling, and he falls on the road above, and it literally cartwheels down right in between these two riders. One guy totally misses it and it splats and comes and slides and takes out this guy whose camera uh, you're seeing. So even the return lap coming down at like regular driving speeds can be dangerous. But now you see they would never do that while people are racing. You know what I'm saying? So um, there's a whole thing to it and how it, you know, how it works and, and all that great jazz. So there have been periods of in time where motorcycles haven't raced, and I'm sure that part of it is because of uh, the amount of time that it takes, the amount of entrants that apply, um, the safety issues. And we mentioned, like I think last year or the year before, we talked about uh, relatively few people have died on it uh, when you compare it to like the Isle of Man or the Northwest and stuff like that, like actual road race, other road racing that is... Um, circuit road racing, not one way up road racing. Um, so relatively few people have died on it, but uh, motorcycle wise, but there's still been a few 
and there have been few and far between. And I didn't know the gaps of time that the motorcycles had taken off because I've always just seen motorcycle clips and it's like, oh, this is from the 80s. This is from like the 2000s. This is from, blah. and I'm like, oh, this is cool. Well, I didn't know that like from like the, the whole 50s and 60s, motorcycles didn't race there or something like that. Or maybe it was like 40s to late 50s. They didn't even race there. Um, and then like... Uh, Again, in the 80s, they took a long break, like a decade break or something like that. I, I forget exactly when, but yeah. So there's been times when, when bikes didn't even race, and I didn't know that. Um, so, yeah, they're gone again, and like I said, they're gone now. I feel like it's because they've been making all these rules about them as bikes have been getting faster and faster and faster and faster. There's no way to control them. The last thing they did is to make it so that your bike can't have clip-ons that became a rule in like 18 going into 19 or 17 going into 18 um and the reason being is because all the super sport bikes like you know things that you would race in moto america things that you would race in moto gp those all have clip-ons and they don't want bikes that fast and powerful like a 200 horsepower uh super bike going up the hill um yet you can turbocharge, you know, whatever you want, as long as it has handlebars that clip into the, uh, uh, regular clamps, you know, clip-ons just too, you can get too crazy with bikes that have clip-ons, um, because of certain factors, including riding stance and stiffness and performance and all that jazz. And there's a reason most racing bikes that road race have clip-ons, not, um, uh, bars, handlebars per se. Um, and clip-ons, if you don't know what I'm talking about, they're the, you can take a left clip-on off independently from a right clip-on. They literally usually slide over the um, fork tubes or bolt to the uh, upper bracket, the upper triple tree or upper upper fork bracket, um, and, and they're independent. You can take the right one off uh, and leave the left one on, where a pair, uh, like handlebars... You can't do that. Or a handlebar, I guess, as you would say, is literally one bar, right? That goes, it's like a one piece bar. So those sporting bikes that have clip ons, um, they felt like they were just designed to be way faster than the mountain can handle. But people have proved over and over and over that um, even if you don't have clip ons, you can still break records. Chris Fillmore did it uh, like three times. And you can still, um, or two times at least. And you can still crash and get hurt. So they're just these things that they're trying to make it safer aren't. Um, maybe when bikes come out with a fully balancing system, like BMW has been talking about since 2016, their um, Vision Next 100, where you have like this bike that can't be crashed due to all the IMU stuff on it. Uh, you know, all that great jazz. We'll we'll see if that if that becomes a reality. Um, but at that point, we might as well just have like robots riding up the hill. You know what I'm saying? So, like, what do you guys think of Pike's Peak? Like, what do you guys know about it? Um, like, what's your opinion on Pike's Peak? Did you know that the first race up Pike's Peak happened in the 1300s? I'm just kidding. Ha 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 ha. Okay, comedian now. If humans weren't so good at being bad, there would not be this dilemma. They should let mm. robots ride motorcycles and race cars up the hill. It would take an act of dose to overcome our computational awareness and driving ability. That or a mechanical. Well, yeah, I mean, at at that point, why don't you just play a video game and not, uh, I don't know. Like, I, 
I don't know. I'm not, I I don't like the idea of robots racing. I don't even like the idea of Motobot. Remember that little Motobot guy that was going to beat Valentino Rossi? Um, I mean, we're headed toward that horizon right now. It's still a ways off, but I mean, are robots really better than humans? I mean, it's time to face the truth. <laughs> oh, well, okay, okay, but that, like, for instance, Ro- Motobot. Um, he was designed to. He was a robot. He is a robot, I should say, d- designed by Yamaha to like compute what Lorenzo, Lorenzo, and Rossi were doing. And his goal was to eventually beat uh, uh, Rossi and like do better than Rossi. Use AI, and I know AI is huge right now, right? AI is everywhere, and he was supposed to be able. I to know beat- Motobot. Uh huh. He is a bitch. Not as big of a bitch as Valentine Rossi, but still one. <laughs> okay. Well, having said that, he was designed to beat him, and I guess they could have just hired Alex Marquez. It would have taken a lot less R&D. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if they could have picked up sensors from Alex Marquez's brain and done com- computations, but they could have hooked little sensors like video game sensors like they do when they make uh, green screen uh, video games and all that jazz and still got input from him. But yeah, as far as the thought control process, so you really don't like Motobot, huh? Like, is he, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Motobot. Motobot is one step above a cheap wank bot from Alibaba. <laughs> he is still 1000.7 times better than a human. All you right. meat sacks really suck. It's all of your bones and your <laughs> spleens. Okay. They really hold you back. All right. It's time to face the truth. Yeah, you said that a minute ago. <laughs> um, I don't think our bones and spleens are what holds us back. Actually, we are moving forward, and we're not, I don't want to talk about it on this show. I do want to talk more about Pike's Peak. And you're right. The first uh, Pike's Peak did take place in the 1300s. Ha, 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 ha. I don't know anything about that. Um, let's actually talk about it. Why don't we? You know what I'm saying? The uh, first Pike's Peak was way before. Um, I couldn't tell you when, but I do know that it wasn't the Pikes Peak we know of. Uh, motorcycles have raced on and off for decades at a time, like I said, here and there, not the whole complete time that it's been Pike Pe- Pikes Peak, but the very first motorcycle up the hill in the race as we know it today, as Pikes Peak, Pikes Peak International Hill Climb, was in 1916. It was Floyd Clymer, um, the local from Greeley, uh, Colorado, he manhandled this giant home-built Excelsior up uh, to victory. And there was four events that year, at least four motorcycle events, and he took he took uh, wins in two of them. So two of the four on this big old home-built Excelsior. I think if you go to Wheels Through Time, they might have one there. Um, might, might have one. Might have his bike there or uh, something like it. And... Um, so yeah, this big old home-built Excelsior. If you've never seen an Excelsior, they're crazy. I uh, forget how many horsepowers they had, but they could go. They were like a thousand cc inline fours, I believe. Um, I can look up Excelsiors. Actually, maybe I'll do that for the uh, episodes where I'm going to be out of town. Um, so anyway, yeah, there was two uh, factory. I think two factory Excelsiors at least. There was also Harley's, Tours, Indians, um, all these fabulous. Uh, motorcycle makers that went out of business eventually. Um, and yes, I'm going to say that for Harley because AMF bought Harley in the 80s, uh, late 70s and 80s. So AMF owned Harley for a while. Um, just like DuPont owned Indian and probably somebody owned Tor and Excelsior at some point. Um, 
So anyway, the uh, he beat these guys on their factory rigs, and he was on this huge home-built sucker, and these things were, like, massive, made of, like, lead. They were total loss, which meant that, like, you filled your oil up at the bottom and you had none in the motor when you got to the top. Like, massive crazy things. Um, I, I have a book with... Um, really cool vintage motorbikes in it. And these Excelsiors were awesome. There's some that are like, in this book, I really like it. <clears throat> Pardon me, because part of them are like awesome and restored. And some of them are just trash. And it's like, it's kind of cool to see the way they, the owner had modified it to race. It's, it's like if you take somebody's cafe racer, oh God, why, is, why aren't you charging up? Uh, Tobor, Tobor. I needed to charge the laptop, and you've got that thing plugged in one of your naughty ports. I am not stoked right now. The laptop's been almost out of power. We almost lost the show just now. I'm not even going to ask you to say anything for yourself because I know you don't have guilt. So anyway, uh, at any at any rate, um, yeah, through over the years, it's really been cool to see some of the bikes that have gone up up the hill. And then, since they didn't race through like most of the 40s and 50s, I believe it was. They jumped a huge part of, uh, you know, they jumped they jumped right past suspensions. Suspensions started coming out in the 40s and 50s. Um, I actually did a uh, episode on like Indian and and uh, Harley and and motorbike suspensions and all that stuff. Um, and we talked about, you know, Indian. I think was the first company to make suspension, and I don't think they did it till like the 30s. But not all bikes got it until like the 50s. Like some bikes were still kind of hardtailing it in the 50s. So, but you jump back through like in 1916. I'm sure they didn't have electrical lights on bikes yet. They were still probably the um, now the word of the week. They were the word of the week, only the long version. Um, and you actually used like a uh, fluid or like a um, like a wick to um, light them, and they were blankety blanked. Yeah, they they burned fuel like your motor does via a blankety blank. I don't know is the full word word of the week or just so I can say carburetor. Okay, because that's not just you jerk. Tobor is nodding his head. You just wanted to see a cat get aced. God dang it. All right. Well, since I said it, let me uh, whip out the Desert Eagle 45. Hi, kitty. Hi, baby. How you doing? Smile. Oh, God. I did not feel good about that, but it had to be done. But yeah, that's what they used. The word I just said. I'm not going to do it to another cat. The word I just said um, was what the headlights had in them, too. And they would literally burn fuel at a metered rate, sort of like your motor does, to keep the lights on. Um, so in 1916, I mean, we jumped past like electrical systems to, uh, halogen headlights and like elements like that. Um, we probably went from stuffing a rag or having no air filters to air filters, I'm guessing, you know? So there was huge chunks in time where now the next, the next, uh, batch of motorcycles to go up the hill at Pikes Peak has like crazy new technology on it. Maybe they thought it was safer. I don't know why they quit racing back then. I haven't looked into it, but maybe I will. I probably won't, but I'll, I'll say maybe I will. I'd like to at some point. Um, and maybe that's why. Maybe it was like, oh, they're too dangerous. They'd make them safer or put like performance stuff and people would get better at riding it and like less crashes. Oh, okay, we'll bring them back. Oh, then it would happen again and they'd get faster and faster and faster. So we've seen it, bikes progressing throughout time, getting faster and faster and faster, but obviously getting safer and safer and safer or like more manageable at least uh, each time. 
They are still two wheels that you sit abo- above, um, except for the gurney alligator, which you almost sit uh, within. Um, and every and you know you still steer with bars. I can't think of hardly any motorcycles besides a slingshot that you don't use bars. <laughs> slingshot hashtag not a motorcycle. Anyway, uh, so let's talk about the uh, the Pikes Peak. International Hill Climb. Like I said, Harley Davidson Tor. I think they just went by Thor. I don't think I don't think they pronounced it like the proper way. Um, anyway, so Indian Excelsior, Flying Merkel, Rusty Trombone, Golden Handshake, and uh, Smiling Rainbow, and Unicorn, and Mitchells. Who knows what was racing up the hill? You know what I'm saying? All sorts of great stuff. But the last race winner in the overall category, uh, was the heavyweight class. <sighs> Sorry, as I pass out, it's not even, it's like middle of the day, but you guys know I am like a genetically engineered skink and, uh, I get tired right around now. Anyway, so Rennie Skaysbrook took the win, the very last win so far. This may have been the last, we may have witnessed the last win last year. Cause right after that, um, is when Carlin Dunn did a little cartwheel and, Rennie's time is in the history books. So Rennie Skaysbrook is the current leader, the heavyweight class rider, uh, the overall two-wheel division um, on his Aprilia Tuono V4 1100 factory. Uh, Prior to that, it was Chris Fillmore who held the heavyweight record. Uh, He beat that time by over four seconds. But Fillmore still holds the middleweight record from 2018 on his KTM 790 Duke and the lightweight record that he set last year on his KTM 450 SXF factory. Both of those records will stand unbroken unless they rule that motorcycles are allowed to run again on the hill someday. So I guess we'll see. Um, we'll, we'll have to wait another 10 or 20 years. I'll probably be long dead. I mean, I don't think I'm going to live past 200, but we, I may be dead by the time the motorcycles run again on Pikes Peak. And by then they may be those flying, uh, motorcycles that everybody's crashing over in Dubai. So, uh, who knows? But at any rate, Chris Fillmore did up until, well, I guess he set the new fast. I don't know who won if, I don't know if he held the lightweight record, but prior to, uh, 2019, but I feel like he did. I feel like he still held the lightweight record in 18, but his heavyweight record, his middleweight record, and his lightweight record, Chris Fillmore is a man with a hat trick. I don't know if there's any other people that have done that. Um, three three different classes held the records, the overall records. Um, so listen, that's that's it. That's all I got about Pike's Peak, pretty much. Um, meat sacks, yes, we suck at it, and we shouldn't be racing, but I, I still don't want to see motorcycles, uh, you know, going up there. Um, so... What I wanted to talk about this week, let me see what we're doing on time here. I did want to talk about 2010. Yeah, we're only at a minute and 20. Uh, and by that, I mean a robotic minute and 20. For a robot, one hour is one minute, so you can only imagine. Um, so, hey, I wanted to go back in time to 2010 and all the wacky shit that happened in 2010, sort of like we did with uh, 20, oh, 1980 uh, last week. So first things first, uh, this is January. This is all off Wikipedia too, and I'm not going to go into detail. I'm just going to tell you what was crazy, what stands out as I'm scrolling through here. Um, So first, uh, the first thing I saw was that the uh, 19 or 2010, I want to talk about this year. 
partially because what I talked about a little bit earlier, a second ago, but let me see, something stuck out. There was like a, uh, uh, something burned down, like a World Heritage site built, burned down. It actually doesn't look like a very, oh, that's why. I was looking at the wrong year. I was like, all these old people died? Why am I looking way down there? So first things first. Ah, crap. Here, let me do a motorcycle man. Yeah. Ooh, there goes another cat. Oh, man, if you guys listen to the motorcycle man, you're like my biggest fan now. Yeah, oh, yeah. All right, motorcycle. Where's I need to like a chimp sound effect and something else. All right, so 2010. Oh, this is where it is. Okay, so the tallest man-made structure to date, the Burj the Burj Khalifa in Dubai, is officially opened, and that happened in January of 2010. The biggest, tallest man-made structure to date, uh, and I think it was made by a bunch of Finnish dudes. If I'm not sure. If I'm not positive, uh, please forgive me. Um, Togo is involved with an attack in Cabrida. Cabinda? I can't read it from here. The Tobor. Did you write this on purpose to be so small so I couldn't read it? It's a fucking jerk move, bro. Um, I, I do like how you're like denying it right now. No. Yeah, I know. You did. I can just by your response, I can already tell you did. You're a horrible liar. And it's partially because you can't empathize. Um, so, Tobor wrote this super small. So, let me squint my eyes and get super close to the screen. Oh, yeah. So, here we go. So, uh, a 7.0 magnitude earthquake hits Haiti. And I, I swear to God, 2010, I mean, this was 10 years ago, but I swear Haiti got rocked by like an earthquake like in the 90s too. Haiti's just, or maybe it was a hurricane, I forget. Haiti is just one of these places that's constantly getting devastated. And you're like, what the hell? And so, yeah, had a death toll of over 316,000 people. So like everyone's making a crazy deal about COVID right now, but imagine an earthquake takes that many people out in one day. Um, so yeah also Yemen declares open war against the terrorist group Al-Qaeda everyone decided Al-Qaeda was bad in 2010 now everybody's like ah they're fine Um, the longest annual solar eclipse happens and it's going to be the longest one of the third millennium so it's going to be the longest one for a while folks I think Uh, the Cadian, I think it's Chadian. They call it Chadian. Civil War ends. That's not what I was looking for. I was looking for something else. There's another earthquake. Winter Olympics. Yeah, we know that happened. World Cup. We know that happened. I've been. Oh, here it is. The 8.8 magnitude earthquake in Chile, triggering a tsunami over the Pacific and killing 525 people, which is basically half the population of Chile, I believe. Um, so yeah, I was trying to remember 2010. What was up with all these dang earthquakes, yo? Like that? No bueno. There was something else. Like Mother Nature was revolting. Uh, let me see. Oh yeah, uh, the Kasubi Tombs, which was Uganda's only cultural world heritage site, destroyed by fire. I didn't know that, but I was reading about it. It's super, super interesting. I love uh, crazy history, and that was one of them. It's sad. I, I was really pissed off when. Uh, uh, Daesh, which I think is a better name for Isis because Isis is an Egyptian goddess, but ISIL, Isis, Daesh, whatever you want to call them, um, when they uh, raided Palmyra, I thought was pretty bad. That was, if you ever want to know about like Roman history, which I don't really like the Romans either, but uh, look up Palmyra. They thrashed, Palmyra was like 
pretty good, well-preserved. And when they took over the Middle East, they took over stuff like that. Uh, so I hate when these World Heritage sites get destroyed. I didn't even know about this one, but that was interesting. Here's the other thing. Volcanic ash from several eruptions be beneath Mount... <sighs> Fucking... Let me get a drink of water here. Eyjafjalla Jökull, I think that's how you call it, uh, was an ice cap in Iceland. And uh, that was the name of the volcano. I remember this. It uh, disrupted air traffic across uh, northern and western Europe. And I do remember looking at the pictures on the news of this. Um, it was nuts, dude, this thing. Uh, first off, we have a 7.8 earthquake in Chile or something like that, or 6.8. Then we have a freaking 8 in uh, Argent or uh, in Haiti. I have that backwards, by the way. A 7.0 in Haiti and an 8-something in Chile. Um, and then we have some piece of Ikea furniture blows up. And I do remember like air traffic was not allowed to fly. Air traffic was uh, shut down. And I think flights going in and out of Heathrow were all jacked up. Ireland was jacked up. Like everything in Northern and Western Hemisphere. It says Europe, but I think it got over maybe even into like Greenland and Canada and stuff that, uh, that magnet 8.8 .8 magnitude in Chile. Now listen, when you have an eight and then you have an 8.1, that 8.1 is like 10 times stronger than that eight. So each point is like a power of 10. So 8.8 .8 is like massive. That's almost like total, I think nine is total destruction. I don't think they go to 10 on the earthquake scale. I should know this because I live in California and we're taught it every year. Um, but I forget, I think nine is the biggest you can go. Um, so we're talking like almost total destruction where Ch uh, Chile almost gets vibrated off the map. Um, then we got Eya Fiala Nakulo. And um, I loved her movies, by the way. Um, that thing is blowing ash all over. And obviously, volcanoes are related to earthquakes because they both pop up usually along um, plate seams, like where the uh, crust, uh, Earth's crust. So, yeah, dude, 2010, Earth was going berserks over, uh, you know, trying to reform a little bit and move a little bit. Um, and if you don't know Australia, I think you're getting closer to us pretty soon. We'll be drinking fosters. I mean, it's going to be in a couple million years, but still that's close enough. Just keep fosters around. That's all I'm asking. Um, also mother nature, this jazz happened. Deepwater horizon oil drilling platform explodes in the Gulf of Mexico, kills 11 people. And it was like the biggest international, um, devastation, it, like damaged the, uh, entire Gulf. Um, fishing dried up. I remember how, how it took years to clean that up. Um, it prompted like international debates about drilling and, and offshore drilling and it killed like fishermen's. Um, if you thought like in 2005 that Hurricane Katrina was bad, five years later, right after you're barely recovering, actually some places still haven't recovered, this shit happens. And like now all the fishermen that were hanging on by like a thread and everybody in Mexico, we have to think about Mexico for Pete's sake. Like the Gulf of Mexico uh, affects uh, several states in, uh, in Mexico. And um, like Quintana Roo, Cancun, um, Yucatan, some other stuff. I forget what's up there on the north by Texas. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that the Gulf uh, encircles. And so I don't know if it made it that far because I didn't hear the news about it. But man, talk about like Mother Earth. And this is only by April. 
So 2010 was a jacked up year for the for the world. Uh, for motorcycles, it was pretty sweet. So let me see what else. There was like a couple other things that I wanted to say. Yeah, the World Cup. Spain won the World Cup. Yeah, 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 yeah. Spain. Uh, go take a flying leap. Um, I wanted to look at, oh yeah, the H1N1 influenza pandemic is over. So I forget exactly how many people that killed, but in uh, August of 2010, it's over. And in sometime around 2009, it was a swine flu pandemic and it was crazy. I forget how many people got killed, but it was a lot of people. And it just, just reminds me of uh what's going on there's something going on now i can't remember what the fuck it is but there's something that everybody's talking about right now that's going on um so yeah anyway long story short um just blabbing and rambling um also we're gonna get to the bikes of 2010 but 2010 was also a massive year of stuff we that's pretty common now uh we're talking like stuff that comes on the grom that was literally just getting formulated of course i try to click on a tab and it's just like blowing up i'll go back to my show notes here well we'll could talk about all the fucked up shit that happened in 2010 because all we need to know is that like it seems like the earth was blowing up that year we had earthquakes we had volcanoes we had uh the sopranos ending no i don't know when the sopranos ended but i'm sure we had crappy movies and we had all this crazy stuff then we got uh oh yeah offshore oil wells and we got um all sorts of crazy stuff. But what we also got in the motorcycle world was IMUs, man. Uh, so the motorcycle, and this is, this, you got to remember this too. 2010, I was already 10 years ago. And it's like, oh, crap. Like, I feel like that's relatively new, but it's it's not. Here, get off page. Here, let me do a couple motorcycle man again. Uh, let's see, motorcycle man. What was your... Uh, Where's your chimp sound effect? Oh, yeah. That was a chimpanzee, folks. That's what they sound like when you piss them off. Um, So listen, Rider Magazine, here's their 2010 Motorcycle of the Year. It was the VFR1200F. Do you remember that? It was chosen because it has a V4, first of all, VFR. All VFRs are pretty much V4s. Uh, The 1200 which was, yeah, the V4-1200 V4, motor that they ended up putting in a couple different motorcycles. We'll talk about that in a second. But if you remember the 2010 VFR-1200, I believe they also had a VFR-1200, I want to say S. I can't remember. But I do remember this bike because it was the very first bike that I ever saw that had DCT. Now, I know DCT came out before 2010, but this was the first bike it was on i believe and this is why rider magazine chose uh the 2010 vfr and actually the dual clutch probably came out on the dno1 which came out in like 2008 or 9 as like a prototype or 2007 i forget when that piece of junk came out but uh it probably had it in that but they weren't like oh hey man check out this awesome dno1 they were like oh god it looks like a red shark please hide from it and we're just testing it right now um, so anyway, V4 tech, uh, V4 motor, which is a very awesome motor. Um, Brian Viffer could tell you that he's, he's had nine VFR 750s. Those bikes are awesome. He's letting me borrow one right now, which I should actually go over and talk about what creative writing has been up to, which we'll do before we wrap up the end of the show. So hang on for that. I just want to quickly wrap up 2010. Um, so yeah, Rider Magazine picks the VFR 1200. I wouldn't have picked this, but more and more and more, 
bikes are coming with DCTs or a version of it. And I know the Africa Twin now has a DCT. The VFR 1200F transitioned into the VFR 1200X that debuted the same year as the Africa Twin. I believe that was 20... If it wasn't 14, it was 15. Um, and the Africa Twin's already on like its second generation sort of with the uh, the Africa Twin... Um, dual, the Africa Twin's sports or something like that edition and they're already going on to bigger and better things like the africa twin is moving forward it's only a matter of time before suzuki has one of these dcts on their uh, v-strom one uh, 1050 not i don't think the 650s will ever get it but honda also has thrown the dct into its like ncx uh the ncx uh, is a cruiser NCX? Is that what it is? I think that's what it's called, the NCX. And then the um, the 750X also, the, the NC750X or some shit like that, which is like the CB500X, but it's got the DCT. Um, anyway, so the, this DCT has transitioned to different bikes on um, Hondas. And it's kind of filtering down. And now they got it on quite a few things. You know, the Goldwings have it, but... The VFR 1200F uh, got Rider magazine, and Rider isn't a dirt magazine. They're not. They're more of like a touring road magazine. You know what I'm saying? And like good time riding. They're literally for just riding, having fun riding. That's their whole agenda. So they thought this thing. It's got a smooth run in V4 that can really go fast if you want it to. But also, this new DCT like. Uh, technology with all these crazy electronics that like is starting to make its way into the motorcycle scene uh, that really turns us on and duly noted because now almost all this stuff that was cutting edge in 2010 is standard 10 years on right so uh, speaking to which the the put they're they're talking about this thing's pushing the edge of electronics and now the groms and the monkeys have not only do they have ABS they have IMUs something that BMW only introduced in 2008 on the S1000RR. So 2008 and 9, first gen S1000RR. 2010, they already came out with the second edition and they pushed the boundaries of motorcycle electronics all the way. Whoops. Motorcycle.com. That was uh, me. Tobor passed out. And now I know what gets you drunk, buddy. It's um, <clears throat> dielectric grease. Uh, so Motorcycle.com voted the BMW S1000RR as their motorcycle of the year because it pushes the boundaries of motorcycle electronics and it uses those electronics to wrap up the world's super stock title in its inception. So the first year of this uh, second gen, they, they are pushing the IMUs went from like five to six axis and not only six axis, but we're using those axes to tell the bike to, um, I think in... 2008, they had ABS, of course, and they had wheelie control, and they had one more, a couple things. Now, by 2010, they have slide control, yaw control. They have integrated ABS, and uh, they don't call it wheelie control anymore. They just call it, like, traction control. Um, they also have, uh, on some of their bikes, electronic suspension that goes with, I mean, they've had that for a long time, but now it's all wrapped into this IMU, right? So it's, it's covering, here's the six axes. It's covering forward, backwards, um, propulsion and deceleration. Yep. It's covering that. Tobor, why did you release the hound? It's covering side to side, uh, bank. 
It's also covering up and down, uh, like going over crests and stuff like that. When you're about to lose traction, is it going to cut the power until it feels you land again? Or you know what I'm saying? So it's got back and forth, side to the side, up and down. It's got yaw control. It has also got uh, like bank. Like I'm saying side to side, but it's also now got bank and yaw like integrated. Um, and it's also got, what's the other one that it's got? It's got, uh, like I said, yaw control, which is kind of like when you're going forward, but you're going forward sideways as if like a drift. Um, and then it's got like integrated ABS and and power control, and it's got ride modes. It's got all this crazy great stuff so that when you're in a corner, full throttle, it's not giving it full throttle because it re- realizes that you are banked at a certain degrees. And if it gives it full throttle, it's going to spin the wheel. Once the wheel starts to spin, even minutely, it like stops it. And there's some uh, systems now that have predictive so they can see you and they're all throttled by wire because if it, if it did this by like a cable and it had to read off where the uh, throttle body was about to go, it's too late. Instead, what they do, the throttle by wire reads that you're cracking the throttle all the way open. And as that signal is going to, to, to the throttle body, that millisecond that it takes to get there, it takes a trip to the ECU and the ECU reads the bank angle sensor and says, hey, you're leaned over at this degree. You're doing this speed. We're not actually going to give you all that. We can probably do this. And we're reading the yaw so we can tell you're going around a corner. You're not just banked over. Obviously, you wouldn't be banked if you weren't going through a corner, but you can. You can lean on a straight and do a gradual turn, but it's also sensing the yaw, so it's sensing at which rate the front half of the bike is coming around, so it can actually kind of sense how how tight you're cornering and that you're banked over to the side and that you're going to trail braking or whatever you're doing. Um, it reads all that, and so before it actually sends it out to the throttle body to open it, it says, hey, all this stuff's happening. A plus B minus C times D divided by E equals what I'm going to give you at the throttle body. And since it's all fly-by-wire, it's a wire going from your throttle hand to the ECU and then a, a wire going from the ECU to the actuator on the throttle body. And it only opens it up like 13 more percent, not full throttle. Because if it were to open it full throttle, psh, there goes your traction, your rear wheel just breaks loose. There goes your traction, you low side or it slips out and then you let off and you high side, whatever it happens. So all this stuff goes into effect to make the BMW one of the most potent racing machines. Um, and 2010 is also the year, I believe, I, don't quote me on this, because they came out with the IMU in 2008. And I believe 2010 is the year that Yamaha brought it to the R1 followed by uh, Ducati already had like an intermediate style one on their like racing bikes, but now they start to get them. And now everybody's got an IMU. Like I'm saying, now the monkey has an IMU. Now the Grom has an IMU. Um, Lots of bikes, even Harley Davidson's and Indians have IMUs now. So 2010 was that year, baby. That was the year that went mainstream. It's the year punk broke in the motorcycling world. Um, Cycle world, while the Z1000 was their standard of choice, the S1000RR also made their superbike a choice, and probably because it was the the reasons they gave pretty much mirrored motorcycle.coms. The IMU coupled with the cornering, <clears throat> excuse me, the cornering ABS and ride modes, um, it just allowed BMWs to to roll fast. You know what I'm saying? And basically, the uh, when you hear me talk about this stuff. Um, the uh, cornering ABS and all that jazz, how it works now, and the, the Harley RDRS, Rider Reflex Defense Rider System or whatever it's called, 
and whatever the Indians is called. I forget what theirs is called, but they work the same way. All this is based off of BMW's research with Bosch, I believe is who the, who their makes their IMUs. And um, yeah, this is where you learn that you can make a computer program that will let you be in a corner, leaned all the way over, giving it full throttle and get on the brakes and the computer will take care of everything. And it'll say, hey, we need to cut power, but not so much that we fall over because we're at this bank angle. We still need some centrifugal force. Do this quick calculation. Okay, we can give him this much power because he's full throttle, but he's also, or she is also on the brake, or it, if you're a robot, is also on the brakes. So don't apply all the brakes or we're going to lock the front and low side or we're going to cause this bike to stand up and they are still giving it gas, yada, yada, yada. You know, so it does all these crazy... And so ride modes actually became a thing. Instead of being a ride button where you push it and it's giving you 20% power pushing it, it's giving you 50% power pushing it, it's giving you all the power. And there's your three ride modes. Use them wisely. Nope. Now it's like, hey, listen, now each ride mode is going to be based on all these different little inputs. So 2010, my bike would have been the S1000R2. That's my favorite bike of 2010. And it was my favorite bike in 28 because of that same thing. It was my very first bike I ever saw that I was like, whoa, that bike can detect this. And now it's like a thing. And uh, MotorcycleCruiser.com named their bike of the year just to be fair and not be uh, one style, the Honda Fury. The, uh, yeah, the Honda Fury. Oh, dose. Freaking Honda Fury. The Honda Fury. Terminated immediately. My cousin is the Honda Fury. I feel so bad for you. The Honda Fury is more cringe than watching Wiggins do the floss. I agree 100%. And with that, that is our bikes of 2010. No cool sound effects? I was like, pause. And with that... Oh, God. Quit doing your fancy moves, robot. Uh, so anyway, yes, that is it. That is 2010 in a nutshell. That is... The year that the um, the IMU kind of became the thing on motorcycles, but also the uh, 10 years ago today. So there's a lot of bikes that have gone. We talked about 10-year bikes a couple years ago, and now there's plenty that have gone past that. And they are many, many year bikes. And we should talk about those sometime. The Zuma is one of those. <laughs> um, so... Let's uh, wrap up the show, everybody. What is going on with creative writing, by the way, you may want to ask. Well, well, I have got hardcore, and you may, maybe some of you are just leaving and you don't care. Come back, please. Hey, guys, come on. Um, so listen, I have got hardcore into crafting, I have to say. And yes, that does sound kind of lame, but not when you find out what I've been crafting, actually. I have got hardcore into crafting some really cool stuff. Patrons, um... Here, here's some little housework. Now that now we're at the end of the show, I feel like I could talk about it. And also, Tobor, get rid of those cats. Uh, the show is over. We don't need to hang on to them anymore. Thank you, sir. Um, and as the uh, patron year rolls on, we haven't done much. I feel super, super bad about that. Super lame. COVID really did sink a nail into my uh, plans here that I had submarined a lot of the cool stuff I had planned for Patreon, um, like our getting to know the patrons, our Solstice Slam, in which patrons don't have to... um, Patrons don't have to uh, enter into the into the uh, competition. They just like get a free go because they are a patron. Well, we're still going to do spooky spokes. I still do want to figure out something for the end of the year um, 
not the end of the year, the end of the summer. But like I said, I will be gone. So it's going to be harder and harder and harder. So my apologies to the patrons. I do have something cool, though. I have some things coming up, patrons. I do have a sticker thing that I'm going to show you. Um, and I want you guys to let me know, uh, decide on the uh, uh, style that you like. And we're going to do another sticker run. I haven't done a sticker run in a hot sec. And I'm actually going to play the sweet jam that Tobor and I made up together to roll us out of this week's show instead of uh, my song called New Western Jam. Um, so anyways, yeah, if you do uh, are a patron, there's a couple things coming up. I have to look at it this week. Actually, I'm looking at it this weekend to be uh, exact. Um, there's like some new weird sales tax stuff happening effective July 1st. So I don't have a whole hell of a lot of time to look at it, but I'm going to some countries and this, this is all dependent on the country where you live, not the state where I live that I'm making this uh, show from. So depending on where you live, um, some of the sales tax may apply. Now, here's what happened. You, If you're not from America or if you are from a country where Netflix and Spotify and things like that are huge, which is like every country, um, Spotify started in another country and maybe Netflix did too for all I know. So I know these rules already apply where you are and you're used to it. But in the States, it's kind of fairly new. Um, for a streaming service, even though you're streaming and they're not taking up uh, space in your county, um, they still get charged sales tax. You get charged sales tax actually on the sale of their goods or service, even though it's not a tangible good or service. Um, and even though it's not a uh, physical object, you're just streaming, right? So, wait, can you guys not hear that? Jesus Christ, I know you can. All right. Anyway, so... <laughs> Wow, sorry to kill you there. Um, so at any rate, they are taxing, uh, doing sales tax, even though you're not getting a physical thing. And I thought, oh, well, what if I do it so that like you're not getting a physical thing, right? Well, it still doesn't matter. If they can if they can put sales tax on Netflix, which is literally you looking at someone's movies on their server and saying, hey, that is a uh, service that we can tax and put sales tax on. And we don't have to have an object like you're going to a store. Then we're going to do it then that means they're going to do it to this podcast and your thing. What will it really mean? And eh, nothing. It'll probably just, I don't know if it's going to be a bump up in um, transaction fees or something like that for you, or if it's going to be like, hey, you pledged a dollar. Now we're going to take out some sales tax and Junkie only gets even less because already patron takes a little bit. And that's no big deal. I don't care about it. I would do this show for free. I have done this show for free for a long time. I really thank our wonderful patrons. It's not like we have a trillion of them. We only have a few of them. And then we're, they're still powering this show and bringing it to you. And um, pretty soon, Robot's going to kill me. And I'm just going to be here being a meat sack that's his battery. So I guess it'll just be dead air and a bunch of robotic laughing sounds. But at some point... Um, the show might get more expensive to do. We'll see. But it shouldn't reflect on you. So what I'm saying to the patrons in general is that there are some new sales tax rules going into effect. Not that you're going to have to pay anymore, I don't think. What I think is going to happen is that they're going to take your patron pledge and separate out, separate out how much of that dollar or $5 or $10 or one, one person's doing 20 bucks that you're doing... Um, and tell you how much of that goes to sales tax. I think that's what they're going to do. Your actual patron pledge, I don't think, should go up. If it does, 
Um, I'm going to make some changes, but I'm also going to go through right now and try to optimize that. So just a heads up for patrons, you might be getting like a notice. I keep getting emails, hey, this might affect you, this might affect you. It's a few cents, so I don't really care. But I do care about you, and it's a few cents for my few followers on Patreon. So I just I just uh, don't want any of that weird behind-the-scenes stuff to go unnoticed and you guys think like I'm just blowing you off. I'm going to make some changes and see if I can get it to save you even a few cents on the back end by saying, hey, yeah, no, this uh, the show is like a donation whereby they aren't buying anything from me. They're supporting my cause. And I think if you support a cause, then you can write it all off and you guys don't have to pay any sales tax on it. Then it's not like a streaming service, like you're not paying for an episodic movie or show like on Netflix. You're just supporting like a wacko guy bringing information to people in general on iTunes. So we'll see how that goes. iTunes is free for everybody, whereas Netflix isn't. So I think it depends on how you... I'm going to read the fine print, but make a long story short, I think that's how it affects you. Also... The sticker thing that I've been talking about, also this craft-making thing that I've been talking about, patrons, you're about to get it. uh, You're about to get something. You're about to see stuff and get stuff uh, as a trial run. Um, I I hope you think it's funny, but I am still working on a bunch of junk. There was some artwork that I wanted to get out to you guys way back in December. Didn't get a chance to get it out. Now I'm finishing it. And now that things are opening again, like I said, California literally just put back in another uh, mandatory mask thing, but they aren't closing businesses. So it sounds like I'll be able to go and actually finally print the coloring book for our patrons, um, print it out. I've got a couple other additions when I make the final print book to make to it. So patrons, you may be getting uh, an actual coloring book that I go and have published at uh, somewhere cheap, some printing place right around here. But um but it will be there to let you know. You're not just going to get a couple of PDFs that I sent you that you might not even have wanted to print because uh, your printer's been out of ink for 19 months. Uh, you might get a, f- a hard copy. So I'm going to try and get that done. Here's the deal. I'm leaving town soon. By the time you hear this, I may be packing and riding across country um, for some stuff, family issues. But that's the other thing. Junkie Turdman may be coming to a town near you. Now, I don't know if I'm going to be riding my motorcycle all the way. If I was pimp, that's what I'd be doing, uh, and I may. But I also have a travel companion, and so I need to keep that person in mind and not ditch them alone in their car to drive halfway across the country and back when I'm just enjoying the sights on my motorbike. So, I mean... And talking on Bluetooth for 12 hours a day might not be the way to go. So I might have to ride with the person. They're definitely not going to ride on back with me. Um, We need to carry supplies and stuff. If I buy something where I'm going, I want to be able to transport it back. Thus, having the person in the car would be a benefit. But uh, also, uh, I'd probably take the SCR, being that Spamla, I I can't get the tags for her for some reason, and the DMV is still down. So that's another thing. I took Spamla out for a ride the other day, and I was riding dirty. Or was I? Your opinion. You tell me. I paid for the tags. I haven't got them. I tried to apply for them online. They won't give them to me for some reason that's in the background. Um, also, when I renewed my license, that I think I told you guys a while back. This is I did it in, like, November. The M isn't on my new license, so I've been hanging on to my old one. They both expire on the same date, so if I need to fly, I'll keep the real ID, and if I need to ride my bike, I'll just use my current one. So there's a couple effed up things happening, and 
things still aren't 100% back to normal. So uh, I will be not riding Spamla, even though she probably gets better gas mileage than my SCR. With that thing, I'll be having to stop like every 160 miles. That's about all it'll make on a gas tank, um, a tank of gas. And so um, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a tri I'm gonna be stopping 16 to 17 times, uh, depending on if I do the speed limit in each state or not. So at any rate, yeah. So um, make love, make love, and smoke weed. Just kidding. That's a. I just didn't know what I was gonna say. I think I should say bye. Uh, thanks for hanging out with Creative Writing for this week. If you want to get in touch with the show, give us a, a write-up uh, at uh, the old creative writing podcast at gmail.com. And also you can call us and leave us an actual message at 740-563-2858. That's the creative writing phone number. Um, leave us a message. Leave us a rating and review. Um, leave us a solstice slam or a spooky spoke early. I'll save it for you. And also I went back through the listener letters and I miss, there's like names I haven't heard of in a long time. And I was like, oh crap. Like I haven't heard from that person since the first year of spooky spokes. And I haven't heard from this person. So everybody that's out there, Junkster loves you. Junkster misses you. And Junkster wants to share your motorcycle adventures with you. While blabbing alone to myself in this still quarantine uh, and mandatory social distancing studio. So it's been hard. It's been crappy. And I'm not going to do a freaking Zoom interview like some other podcast. That S isn't for me. Um, all right. With that, everybody, peace out. It's been beautiful weather here in SoCal. So I hope it's been beautiful where you are. Get out and ride. And, uh, yeah, 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 I might do um, more music on the next show and maybe we'll make up a song together. I still do owe, owe everybody on Facebook. Oh, yeah, that's the last thing I want to talk about. Facebook and Instagram. I already ranted about it at the beginning. You can leave us uh, messages and stuff there, but no guarantee I'll get to them. They've been so slow and crappy and I haven't had the time to deal with them, um, to wait around for them to start working. So... Uh, there is a song on there that people started to contribute to, and I may, may, might make that a song in my next episode. All right. This is a little bit awkward. You're still here. I mean, it's kind of like seeing the star and dressing after the show, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're in the green room. I'm naked. This is weird. Got really weird real quick. Uh, there's the door. Take off your headphones. Uh, turn off this podcast. This is, I'm calling the cops.